0: Listening to the Venue podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Second Timothy, as we're going to be again this morning. Second uh, Timothy, we're still going to be in chapter one, kind of making our way towards chapter two today, but want to ask you. Um, have you ever quit something before? Ever quit something before? Um, I, I, I feel like I've not quit much of my life because, man, when you commit to something, you say you're going to do something, you should do it. But I'm sad to tell you that when I was in middle school, I quit middle school football. I, I, it was, I know. I know you're so shocked because... You know my story, how I went to play middle linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys and stuff, and that's not true, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, not shocking at all. Uh, I quit middle school football uh, for a couple of reasons, mainly because I didn't get to play much. I sat on the sideline a whole lot. I was basically a tackling dummy for practice, right, for the, for the real athletes, and so because I feel like I had a part to play, I, I quit. I, I think in addition to that, I don't really remember this, but my mom says that when she would go to practice or games that I'd always run around uh, with one hand holding my pants up because they didn't have pants that fit me well. And so uh, she says that I quit because it was hard to tackle when you're holding your pants up, which sounds, that makes sense, right? That seems to make sense. Um, whatever the case, because I didn't feel like I had a part to play, and because I didn't maybe feel equipped to play, knowing how, I quit. There's lots of things in life where, if we're honest, we're, we're tempted to quit. We're tempted to give up. We're tempted to slow down, and it's often because we don't feel like we're contributing anything, or we just don't know how to play our part. And I want to ask you, as a believer, are you slowing down in your walk with Christ? Are you, are you becoming stagnant, or have you maybe even kind of quit and hung it up because you don't feel like you have a part to play, or because you you don't know how to play your part. And when I say play your part, I'm referring to playing your part in God's story. And when I say story, I don't mean something make-believe and fake. No, the truest story ever told, the story of God, right? That he created the heavens and the earth perfectly, but humanity sinned. We fell, But then you fast forward through the Bible, and it's really the current, the the scarlet thread that runs all the way through the Bible. But if you fast forward, we see that Jesus came as the Redeemer, the Savior of the world. And one day, he will restore all things. Amen, right? We're looking forward to that day. But until that day, God invites people to be part of his redemption story. So first, he redeems us. He saves us. But then he doesn't just save us to sit on the sideline. No, he saves us to be part of that redeeming work. He's the redeemer. He's the savior. But he calls us, invites us, commands us as believers to invite other people into that redemption. You want tracking track it with me? To, so that we say here we want to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. So to see Jesus is more satisfying than anything or anyone and to live your life for him. And part of that is not just that we help you. We wanna help you help people find their greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Because when you do that, you're playing your part in God's story of seeing people saved, of seeing people become disciples, of seeing people grow in their faith. Are y'all tracking with me there? The problem is if we one, don't realize we have a part to play, and two, don't know how to play our part, we're we're not gonna do it. So how do you play your part in God's story? It'd be be, um, tempting for us this morning if you're like, well, I know the context. I know that Paul was in prison and he was writing to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor. He was a church leader. Uh, So yes, he, he was passing the torch on to Timothy, but this doesn't really apply to us. We're fools if we think that this text this morning doesn't apply to us. Yes, Paul was encouraging Timothy, a a fellow church leader who was ordained. But these truths are true for us today, whether you're serving as a leader in a church or not. See, we may have different positions, but the fundamentals are the same. I I want to read two quick passages. The first is from Ephesians chapter four. I'll get out of the way so you can see. Ephesians chapter four says this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. Key phrase there, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So it's not just people who work at churches or nonprofits who are in ministry. If you are a believer, you are in ministry that's what you're called to. That's your part in God's story. I want to read also First Peter, excuse me, First Timothy chapter 4 as well. It says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. So in First Timothy, similar to 2 Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy to but more specifically in 1 Timothy, he's encouraging him on what it looks like to lead in the local church, and how the church is supposed to function. And so here we see Paul telling Timothy, set an example for people to follow. Why do I share all that? As Paul writes to Timothy here in 2 Timothy, again, he's giving us an example for us to follow. So this is not just for pastors and ministers and church directors. No, this is for every single believer how do you play your part how do you have an impact on the kingdom of god second timothy chapter 1 verse 13 hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus first point he tells us this you want to play your part in god's story you got to do this stick to scripture Cling to the word of God stick to scripture he says hold on to the pattern of sound teaching I love that phrase there's sound teaching in the Greek this is the same phrase the same word when we use the sound that the gospel writers used to speak of someone who had been healed by Jesus so when they had performed a miracle and they were they were uh flawed and not functioning as they were supposed to they were maimed, whatever, diseased, whatever it may be. When he healed them, now they were sound. They, now they were whole. And Paul is using that word to describe really the word of God. So he says the sound teaching. He's talking about how he had unpacked the Old Testament scriptures in light of Jesus. And the apostolic message, what we know as the New Testament writings, he says they are sound words, sound teaching. So they, they make us whole. They bring life. They make us, our soul's healthy. What was lost is now found as we study the scriptures and what was hurt and maimed is now healed as we study the scriptures. It says stick to them, hold on to them. And he says it's a pattern of sound teaching. So a pattern is an example set for you to follow. So Paul's saying, I- I've set a pattern, two things of one, of he himself holding fast to the scriptures but also, he's saying, Timothy, you are to follow my pattern in teaching the scriptures for others to follow. So it's a pattern. It's an example to follow. It says, it's sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, how do you hold on to the scriptures? What should that look like? It should be in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So there's a faith as you as you hold on to God's word, as you stick to scripture. There's a faith required to believe God when his word doesn't make sense. To hold fast to what it says when it's not intuitive. It's the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So as I hold fast to the word and I I call others to hold fast to the word, I do it in a spirit, we are to do it, in a spirit of love. Why would he say that? If you divorce Teaching and clinging to God's word from doing it in love, you just do it harshly and legalistically, then you divorce God's word from the word Jesus Christ. You'll know, track him with that? So, Jesus taught in grace and truth, everything he did is, is in love and in truth. So, if you do it harshly and without love, you're not doing it like Jesus. So, he says, as you stick to the scripture, Hold on to it in faith and in love. Follow this pattern of sound teaching. Stick to scripture. Why is that so important for believers to stick to scripture? Yo, This is the only thing we can hold on to in this world that's not shifting sand. Everything in this world is shifting or fading or always changing. This is the one thing that is unchanging. God's word. It's the one thing we can cling to. Why would we not hold on to it? It says, Timothy, hang on to it. Stick to the scriptures. There's not another agenda. There's not another strategy. There's not something else that you can cling on to. Cling to the scriptures. I think it's important that he says the pattern of sound teaching, because the reality is throughout church history, we see that humans are tempted to stray away from the pattern of scripture tempted to say, you know what, well, maybe like we'll just change the meaning a little bit. Maybe like, you know, it's 2023. So maybe God's word means something different to our generation than it meant to the original generation. Or maybe we just could use a little less of God's word because you know what, like we don't really like, we can we can hear from God on our own. We don't need the scriptures. Anytime you do that, we are going to make a mess of ourselves. Stick to the pattern of scripture. Again, there's not another strategy. There's not another agenda. Stick to the Scriptures. You want to play your part in God's story? You want to make a difference for the kingdom? The Bible is not optional. You want to grow in your faith and help others grow in their faith? Stick to the scriptures. You guys ever been hiking before? Oh, yeah. Lots of hikers in here. I can see it. <laughs> you go hiking. Hopefully you find a hiking what? Trail to follow. Because the trail is the best way to get to the desired destination. There may, uh, you may be tempted to think there are other ways, but often if you go off trail, it's going to take you longer to get where you wanted to go, and it's going to be messier. You're going to end up with stickers and all kinds of mess or fall off a cliff. Who knows what, right? Or if you say, you know what? I don't need no stinking trail. I don't know why I said it that way, sorry. You say, I don't need a trail, and so you do away with the boundaries, the confines of the trail. When you do that, the trail loses all of its power and direction, right? Like, the confines, the boundaries of the trail are what make it effective. God's word, the scriptures, are the path, the example, the pattern for us to follow. And when we don't stick to them, We make a mess of our lives or or it's harder for us to reach the desired destination of playing our part in God's story. So he says, stick to the scriptures. And if you if you're tempted to, well, maybe it doesn't mean that or maybe like God's word is a little restricting. So let's just take away the restrictions, the constraints of God's word. When you do that, you take away the constraints. You also, whether you want to or not, you also wait. Sorry. You also take away the power of God's word. Take it as it is. Stick to it. To the scriptures. It's not optional. Stick to the scriptures, read it, study it, memorize it, believe it, love it, live it, stick to scripture. You know, one of the reasons I think he is calling us to stick to the scriptures is because of the heartbeat the, the um, central focus of the scriptures this is what Paul mentions in verse 15 when he says, sorry, verse 14. He says, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Here's the second thing. So the first thing you want to play your part in God's story, you got to stick to scripture. Here's the second thing. Guard the gospel. Guard the gospel. Take care of what is treasure. And the treasure for the believer is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why he says, Guard the good deposit. Some uh, little translations might say, beautiful treasure. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is a beautiful treasure. What is the gospel? It's the fact that here's some bad news you're way worse and more evil and sinful than you think you are. But the good news is way better than you think it is that Jesus is God the Son put on flesh came and lived a perfect life for you, died the death that you deserve on a cross, and three days later, rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave, and offers you to come into relationship with him by grace through faith. That is precious news, amen? I think of Romans 5, which says that because we've been justified by grace through faith, so because of what Jesus did, because of the gospel, we have peace with God. So before the gospel, like without the gospel, we are enemies of God. We are not friends with God. We are not family of God. But because of the gospel, we have peace with God. And it says we have access into this grace in which we stand. So because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the good news of the gospel, your new reality is that you stand in grace. So you may feel like you're in a mess. You're in a heap of shame or guilt. But if you're in Christ, the reality is in is it's like he's dropped you in the middle of an ocean of grace. Well, what's the old song say? It's, it's not that old. But if His grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. That's the picture of Romans 5 that you are surrounded by God's grace because of what Christ has done, because of the gospel. So, he's, and even Paul goes on to say, We have hope because of the gospel. And even in our, uh, our struggles and our trials, we have hope because of Jesus, because of the gospel. So, here Paul's saying, Guard it. What do you do with something that's precious? You protect it, right? You take care of it. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So, how do we do it? How do we take care of the good news of Jesus Christ, that gospel message, to to keep it from becoming tainted or taken? We do it with the Holy Spirit's power. So, just like in verse 12, he said that the Holy Spirit, God, keeps us. We've trusted our lives with him and he keeps us. He holds on to us. In a similar way, we've been entrusted with the gospel and the Holy Spirit helps us keep it. He helps us take care of it and guard it and protect it. Why is that important? I think it's because we, we tend towards one of two ways, either overestimating our ability. God, I got this. I'm, gonna ta- I'm, a, I'm a defender of the gospel. I know apologetics. I'm like, that's good, but depend on the Holy Spirit. Or we were overwhelmed by the situation of like, man, there's no way I can stand up for my faith. There's no way I can stand up for Jesus. And he's saying, no, remember the Holy Spirit who lives in you gives you strength to guard the gospel. It's so important for us to hear what Paul's saying to Timothy, because y'all, there is a war going on. There is a war to taint, to distort, to destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ whether it be secularism or wokeism, or whether it be extreme charismatics or legalists, there are those who want to taint the good news of the simple message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. So he's saying, wake up! There is a war going on. Guard it. Protect it. Hold it dear. You protect what is precious. I remember... When I uh, I've been I had been living in Lubbock for just about six months, and uh, my wife and I have been dating Lauren. Been, we've been dating I guess at that point about three and a half years, long distance. She was still in Florida; I was already here in Lubbock. And uh, it was October, I think eleventh, and I got on an airplane to go and propose. She didn't know I was coming, but I was going to uh, to go and propose. And I had this is actually the same ring box. The ring isn't in there because she said yes. Woo-hoo, right? Um, this is like 2010, so it's been a little bit, but. Uh, it was the same ring box that I flew to Florida with. And you better believe I held this thing precious and close, right? I went through 2 and I made the decision. I guess I could have played it a few different ways, but I, I put this in the little Tupperware box. Not Tupperware. You know what I mean. The box that they give you, I put it in there. and You better believe the whole time I'm going through and they're patting me down, I'm looking at that box, right? Where is it? Do not touch it. Because it was precious to me. As soon as it came out of there, I didn't worry about my backpack. I didn't worry about my shoes. The first thing I grabbed was this. It was precious. The whole way through the airport, kept it in my pocket. When I got home, I love my family, but you better not touch my ring, right? (laughs) Because it was precious. And this, it, it represented two things. It represented, this may sound silly, but some hope for me, what I mean by that, it was the hope of I was fixing to get married and I was tired of being a single guy, right? So it was the hope of relationship and it represented to her, my love for her. It was a message to her of my love for her. The whole point of the trip back to Florida was this puppy right here. And I protected it because it was precious. He's saying that's how you treat the gospel. The gospel is a message of hope for you that you delight in, that you rejoice in, and what Jesus has provided for you in the relationship made possible with God through the gospel message. And it's also a message for you to extend to others of God's love for them. It's your whole pleasure. It's your whole purpose. It's why you're here. So you protect it. Y'all track it with me? You guard the gospel. When others try to say, you know what, like, nah, you don't really need salvation by Jesus, like, man, you're just probably good on your own. God loves everybody. He does love us, but you're not good on your own. You're headed for hell on your own. That's why you need Jesus. Guard the gospel. When someone says, you know what, Jesus, what he did was great, but you better make sure you're baptized in the right church. and You better make sure you do all the right things or God won't love you. That's not the gospel either. That's a gospel of works, not a good news of Jesus Christ. So we guard it. We defend against those false doctrines, false gospels. We cling to it. We hold it dear. We guard the gospel. Could it be that the gospel guarding it and defending it and sharing it with others seems annoying to you because maybe you've forgotten how precious the gospel is? When you delight in what Christ has done for you, and guarding it becomes natural, right? You don't have to convince me to try to protect my kids because I love them dearly, right? It's just, it just comes naturally. It takes work, it takes effort, but I don't have to talk myself into it. When you love the Lord and you and you are remembering how precious the gospel is, you will more naturally, supernaturally, through the Holy Spirit in you, you will more supernaturally lean in and defend and guard the gospel. So, you want to play your part in God's story? You, you want to make it impact on the kingdom of God. One, stick to Scripture. Number two, guard the gospel. You know, there's so many people that, that aren't doing that. That they maybe come to church and they feel like they're a part of Christianity, so to speak, but they're not actually walking with Jesus. They're not actually. Maybe some of, some of them aren't even Christians. I think that's why Paul goes on to describe what's happened in verse 15. He says, you know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Phygellus. your guess is as good as mine, and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me may the Lord grant that he obtained mercy from him on that day. You know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. So again, I think what's going on here in the middle of of encouraging Timothy to carry the torch, to play his part, he's saying, look, there are lots of people who are falling away. And he says, "Um, all those in the province of Asia have deserted me. So he said, there's a whole slew of believers who, whether I'm not sure they are believers or they are now, they're ashamed of me and my chains and the gospel. Like So many people have fallen away or seem to be falling away. He, he gives Onisi for us as an example of one person who's remaining faithful, who's sticking who's to scripture, who's guarding the gospel, who's living out his faith. Man, look at the comparison. One verses, he says, everyone. There are going to be so many people who choose to not play their part in God's story, who choose to sit on the sidelines. And it's going to be hard to play your part. That's why he says in verse two, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1, "You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus." Third point, you want to play your part? Be strong. Be strong. Again, Paul's giving, telling Timothy to be strong in the context of look how many have fallen away because look, regardless of what other people are doing, regardless of what other people are saying, you're gonna have to make up your mind. You're gonna have to choose to lean in and to be strong, to, to stay stout, to have some tenacity, to have some determination to follow Jesus because lots of people are gonna fall away. Those who follow Jesus are gonna be few and far between. Be intentional, choose to be strong. Again, you therefore, so you see what everybody else is doing. What are you going to do? You want to play your part? Quit worrying about other people and what they're doing or not doing. You decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be strong. It says, be strong. makes me think of Philippians 4.13, you know, the verse that says that you can fly, you can lift weights, you can eat things that are gross, all because Jesus gives you strength. Oh wait, that's, not what that's, that's right, that's not what that means. No, that's not what it means at all. If you look at in context, again, context matters, staying on the, the path of scripture, Paul in Philippians 4 was talking about, man, having a lot and having a little. Makes you think of Jenny on the block, right? Like he used to have a little, sometimes he's had a lot. Some of you are too young for Jenny on the block. I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, but Paul's saying, I can face any situation and be who Christ calls me to be because of the strength he gives me. He's saying, I-, I, can, I can play my part in God's story no matter how difficult, no matter how uncomfortable, because of God's power in me. That, that's what Paul's referring to here when he says, be strong. It's, it's knowing you can live for Jesus, not because of you, but look what he says, but because of we can be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That be strong is a present passive, imperative. Passive means you receive the action, right? If it was active, it would be like, you be strong, hit the gym, be strong. No, passive is someone else is strengthening you. Very little idea of, is being strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The trouble with being strengthened is it takes away the command idea that be strong. So it's, the idea really is be strong, as Christ, his grace is in you, making you strong. Be strong. I want to have somebody help me with this real quick. Mr. Knox, would you come up here real quick? Y'all give Knox a hand. Welcome him up here. What a guy. Knox is 11 years old, stout young man. And uh, I want to have him help me with my sermon real quick. Knox, do you think... You could lay down on this bench and pick up that barbell. By the way, these aren't, these aren't fake. Somebody asked me. These, these, are, these, are, these are real. Um, do you think you can lay down on that bench and put that over your head and bench press it several times? No. Are you sure? Do you want to try? No. <laughs> do you want to pray about it? Not, he's like, trick question. Not cool. I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. I understand. So you sure you don't want to give it a go? Okay. Let's enter another variable to the situation. Let's get your dad up here. Adam, would you come up here? Would you all make Adam feel welcome? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Adam, if you don't know, Adam is strong, okay, <laughs> so, objectively. All right, so let's go ahead and, uh, if you would, Knox, go ahead and lay down. And let's see if, so, wait, so let me get this straight. You're willing, you're willing to give this a shot with your dad here? Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. All right, so you lay down. Let's see if we can give this a go. Ain't no problem. <laughs> just to get some reps in during the sermon. <laughs> yeah. He's still going, y'all. Let's go for Knox and Adam. <clears throat> all right, before, before you run off, Knox, um, first of all, great job. Uh, did someone slip you some steroids when I wasn't watching just then? No, Okay. Did you just suddenly get really strong and hyped up? No. What happened? Your dad helped you. Let me ask you. You were you were trying, right? You, you, put, you were putting some strength and energy in it, right? Like he, you weren't just laying there, but he was strong. Go give him a hand. They have set through both services, so... If there was such a thing as brownie points, they deserve it today, right? Um, let's, okay, it should be clear, but just in case we're not tracking, just for clarity's sake. In that picture, Knox is us believers, and his dad represents the Lord. The strength comes from the Lord. How many of us as believers, the Lord brings us to situations where it requires us to be strong, to get uncomfortable, to... To face our fears, to to not be to face our weakness, and we we look at it and we don't even try. We're like, Nah, Lord, I'm good. Oh, you want me to share my faith? That seems uncomfortable. I'm out. Oh, Lord, you want me to have joy even when I found out the doctors said that I have cancer? Nah, I'm good, Lord. I'm not going to do that. You want me to to stand on God's word even when other believers are doubting it? Now, Lord, that seems uncomfortable. How many of us don't even touch the weight, so to speak, because we're, we're just weak and we forget that the Lord has our back. The Lord gives us strength. It's not about you and how strong you are, it's about God and how strong he is, the grace that he gives you to walk in grace and in strength, and he is objectively strong. How many of us forget God's goodness in our lives to equip us, to strengthen us, and so we don't lean into what God has put before us? Be strong. Not because you're strong, but because Jesus His grace in you is strong. Be strong. How many of us don't know, haven't experienced the strength of our Lord because we're unwilling to trust in the difficult situation? If you don't lean in and and lay down and just, all right, Lord, let's do this. Choose to be strong. It's hard to know. How strong he is. Be strong. You want to play your part in God's story? You want to make a difference in the kingdom of God? You got to stick to scripture. You got to guard the gospel. You got to quit being weak because you don't have to be weak. God is for you. Who can be against you? Be strong. Lean in. You know, If we stop there, we'd miss uh, kind of the whole point of playing your part in God's story. Look at our final verse for for today, verse two. He says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What is he saying real simply? Pass it on. The good news of the gospel, what God has taught you, the story of Jesus Christ, you are to pass on. It on. He says, commit it to faithful men. So a couple things we need to make sure we're aware of here. So he says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, he's talking about, again, reference this earlier, as Paul has taught the Old Testament scriptures and as uh, the Holy Spirit has inspired them to write the New Testament scriptures, he's talking about the Bible As, as I've taught you the scriptures, I've taught you the message of Jesus. He says, you are to commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there is here this aspect of church leadership, of being intentional about making disciples and passing on to others the mantle, so to speak, to carry the torch of teaching and leading and making disciples, pass it on to those who have a multiplication mindset, those who are gonna take it and run with it. But it's not just for church leaders. It's for every single believer that we have a multiplication mindset of, of recognizing God has saved me. He's given me the scriptures. He's working in my life. And I'm to pass on the story of God to others because stories are meant to be shared. So I it. I'm intentional to teach others and they can teach others as well. You know, I think the picture here is could be demonstrated with Think about a... oh <laughs> My wick is really short there, sorry. Thinking about when we do candlelight services, just, can you see the flame? It's close enough. Maybe not really. It's, it's, all, it's there, trust me. <laughs> it's burning very, not very brightly. When we do a candlelight service, when Pastor Dave, like at Christmas Eve, when he lights the, the first candle on the platform, the other candles don't just magically start burning, right? What does it do? What, what is required? What, what is required is intentionally passing it from one person to the next. That wax is hot, by the way. <laughs> it even takes sometimes like a, a lowering, a humbling, and say, hey, I, I want to pass this to you. And as... One spreads to the next. Next thing you know, the whole room is lit up. Makes me think of what what happened here. Think about it. Paul was in chains in Rome, fixing to die for his faith. And he passed on to Timothy the good message. And Timothy passed on to others the good message. And here we are 2,000 years later on the other side of the world in Lubbock, Texas, with a room full of people who love and believe in Jesus because one person after another has passed on. The good deposit has stuck to the scriptures, has been strong, even when it was hard and has committed to others. How amazing Jesus is. They passed on the story of God. So what we're called to you want to play your part in God's story. You have to pass it on. You have to invest in other people. The good news of Jesus Christ. Does it doesn't happen on accident? It takes intentionality, determination, tenacity, You got to be strong. You got to guard the gospel and you got to stick to the scriptures. You know, uh, I think, hopefully it's kind of clear when you think about all these different points as we read through the scripture, that there are two themes that are reoccurring in every one of them. The first is to look up. So I can't play my part in God's story if I take my eyes off of God. That's why he says, to hold on to the pattern of sound teaching, which is me fixing my eyes on God's word, fixing my eyes on God. It's to uh, do it in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit, and I'm strong in the grace that comes from Jesus Christ. In all that I do, I keep my eyes fixed. I'm looking up to him. My hope my Savior, my Redeemer. As I look up to him, it enables me to do the other pedal, so to, so to speak, that is to lean in, to hold fast, to stick to the scriptures, to guard the gospel, to, to be strong, and to pass on the story of God. You should, see, there's two things. There's looking up, and there's leaning into the difficulty. It's not easy always stick to scripture but we lean in it's not always easy to guard the gospel but we lean in it's not always easy to be strong but we lean in it's not always easy to pass on what God has done in your life to intentionally pass it on to others but we lean in Look up, lean in, look up, lean in. It's like two bike pedals, right? Look up, lean in, look up, lean in. And as I get that rhythm going, it propels me and moves me in the story of God to make an impact for the kingdom of God. I begin to grow in my faith and so do others as I look up, lean in, look up, lean in. It's like pleasure and purpose, right? As I find my greatest pleasure in Jesus, I begin to want to find my my purpose in him. And as I live out my purpose in him, I again see him and am convinced that he's bigger, he's better than anything or anyone. So I find more pleasure in him, which makes me find more purpose in him. Pleasure and purpose, pleasure and purpose. And as I do that, I grow in my faith, bringing glory to Jesus Christ, playing my part in his story, making an impact for the kingdom of God, not for my sake, not for your sake, but for his sake. Look up, lean in. By today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.